Hello. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. What the heck is up? What the heck? Hi, everyone. It's Lindsay and Krista. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. And if you're interested in doing a podcast, what we suggest is recording yourself <laughs> on your iPhone quite a bit to get used to hearing your voice on the microphone. Number one tip. Number one tip. I gave that tip today during an interview. <laughs> oh my God. We had interviews for podcasts today and I was um uh I was out to lunch. I tell you what, I was not Same. a great interview. <laughs> Same. You like know when you're going in circles. You know when you're talking, and this happens to me more often than I'd like to admit, where you just I feel like I'm in a bathtub where like the drain has been pulled and I'm just swirling down mm. into the fucking yes. drain. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I kept trying to lose. I kept I kept losing my point, and then yeah. trying to reconnect. And like, <laughs> it was weird because even the point of like, tell me your story. It's it always changes. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I, I appreciate I when you change our story. For a few years, I quit because I got scared of horses. But then I went to camp. You know, like I just, yeah, but, I change it every time. And sometimes, but but I'm kind of running out of adjustments, and so it's yeah. getting really. Wild. I appreciate when you change the story a little bit. And also- Add a little flavor. Yeah, it does add a little spice. But also, I do wonder, so we did that clubhouse with Candice Kamai mm-hmm. and Rosie Acosta. We did a clubhouse with them recently. Lindsay and I are on clubhouse, um, you know, a few times a week now. And, you know, Candice is like, they're being so modest. They're so humble. And I always <laughs> wonder if we don't say enough about us for people to even care to listen. Yeah. Well, my thought is that when I hear other people rattle off mm-hmm. their stuff, I I appreciate it. And I'm like, wow, but it never like, yeah, it never moves me to the point of like, I need to like know more about yes. them. I actually find it more interesting when I know someone's a big deal, but they're totally, they share briefly. And then I'm, I take the next step in knowing more and engaging with what they're totally. <laughs> we can tell ourselves. <laughs> Who knows? What do you guys think of Clubhouse? So I went on Clubhouse and I think it's so fun, but I was trying to find, so like the search capability, I'm trying to find like clubs that I would want to like join on a regular basis or like listen to. And it was just hard for me to find. I was coming up again, coming up to like, everything has like, and how to be a millionaire tacked onto it. So I'm like, oh, I want to be in some like music rooms, just Mm -hmm. see like music production and they're like music production and how to be a millionaire in music. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> totally. Okay. Yeah. They're like, okay. And then they're like, okay, so you create these funnels, right? <laughs> they're like, you got to get like, people Wait. in the funnel. And you're like, I'm trying to use and logic. And then I saw one, I saw one where it was like, it was like, guys, you're not going down on your lady enough or something like something to that effect. Of course. And I was like, all right, this is for everybody. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> click, click. <laughs> you're like, what? Tell me more. I just think it's fascinating that I think there's a risk with going in a room where you don't know someone, mm-hmm. not like because of you're scared, you know, but it's just like, how likely are they to be someone that you want to learn more from? Is my thought. That's why I leave quietly. Leave quietly. He's <laughs> out. If I'm not. Because I just, I kind of have to find something that I know is going to be worthwhile and I have to be able to tell within a few seconds if it's going to be worthwhile or not. You know, and that means something that's resonating with me where I am now. And I just find it to be, I'm like, what's the, there's a risk mm-hmm. to spend 10 minutes being like, what are they going to talk about? You know, totally. in every room. I also have so much respect for people that already know the deal when it comes to Clubhouse. So like hosting a Clubhouse room, like there's certain things that you should be doing where it's like, 
every five minutes. Hey guys, <laughs> invite five friends into the room. Or like, you know, I would just, never do that. But sir, well, I think it's a, an I, incredible thing. It's what you tactic, should do and I would never do it. But it's just so funny where people are just on it. Yes. Like they know what to do in these new mediums. And we're just like kind of coming to the clubhouse like, hey guys, yeah. nice to be here. We're in our robes. I'm like still it's talking fun. when like, yeah. Yeah, but it's fun. It's it's interesting. I don't know. And there was Elon was on last week. I think he was on interviewing the CEO of Robinhood. So they oh, had cool. that conversation happening on Clubhouse. And I think the maximum to a room is 5,000. Oh. So I think they hit the maximum within seconds of people being within the room. Whoa. Yeah. It was, it was cool. Justin and I watched the replay of it because people recorded it. And it was pretty interesting. I mean, I kind of wish... Elon would have went a little harder on Vlad, like questioning him. But I think the overall thought and sentiment was there. Oh, wow. Check that out. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's, yeah. And what did he say? Like Elon said at the beginning, he was, when Vlad was introducing himself, he's like, yeah, and I'm someone that's also interested in like robotics and technology and blah, blah, blah. Elon was like, we all know why you're here, man. <laughs> like, it was like he tried to like curb the conversation to be something about Elon, what Elon wanted to talk about. And he's like, uh, we all know why you're here, man. Like, there's a huge thing that we need to talk about. Wow. Yeah. Is Elon's um, profile picture for Clubhouse, I, for some reason I saw oh my somewhere gosh. it's like a, it's like a, his butt in like little shorts or no, is that Probably, wrong? It probably could be. I gotta look that up. I think up. he has, this is like a rumor. <laughs> There's like crazy rumors about him, but he has someone on his team that's like dedicated to memes. Like finding memes, sourcing memes, creating memes for him. Like, Oh, I think that's genius. Isn't that hilarious? I yeah, know. it's genius. I could totally see him. that being the case. Good for him. I love he tweeted the other day. He was like, I love Etsy. <laughs> I, that would literally, he did the prolific tweets and I like literally, I'm like, cool, cool. And I retweeted, I love Etsy. <laughs> I mean, imagine what that does for Etsy. It actually, I think it increased the stock. Like that's the whole thing. And he did say on the clubhouse too, they were talking about Coinbase. So they're talking about something with crypto. And Elon said, he's like, I have to be really mindful of what I say because it affects the market directly whenever he speaks to anything. So so yeah, but he does. He's a huge crypto fan. I wonder, is that illegal in any sense to like speak on something? I guess not. Yeah. No. But it's just so interesting. I mean, to have that much that much say. Mm-hmm. It's all... F- yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's all a freaking I was prop. thinking about that the other day when I saw like Kim K share something and I was like, wow. I wonder if she thinks in that moment, like, you're welcome. A hundred percent. Like she was just sharing out of the goodness of her 100%. heart, like these water, dried wa- watermelon crisps. Oh my God. And I was like, damn, that brand Sakara just sold out. Had those. They used yeah. to have those dried, dried watermelon was the best. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn. She must just think like, that's welcome. You know, Mastin Kip, he has yeah. his, his account Basically, he was running his account for a few years and Kim retweeted it and basically started his whole career because he got retweeted by Kim. Whoa. Yeah, it was like a, um, a quote or something and then basically like launched his career. Whoa. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? I know, it's like... <laughs> That's good. Dude, Kim, finding, finding relatability in our show would, would be amazing. <laughs> Truly amazing. Holy moly. Uh, how have you been doing? How have you been feeling? I'm good. I just... um. I got my hormones tested recently. So mm. anyone that's like an OG listener and has been with us for a while, we talk a lot about hormones and we've talked a lot about that with experts like Elisa Vitti and, and um, other people on the show. And women's hormone health has been like a pillar of our conversation topics. And I had had my hormones tested probably three years ago and was really off balance for quite a period of time and then was able to sort of bring myself back in balance naturally over the course of a year and 
I did a full episode on that. So if you want to search hormones in almost 30, you can find it. But I got him retested again just because I was curious. And um, when we were talking to Lauren Everett a few weeks ago, I was like, who did your hormones here yeah. in LA? And so I went and got a blood test with Dr. Shirley in Beverly Hills. And um, it's just fascinating like how many like aspects of your health there are. It's like, and how much they all play a role within each other. And it was just interesting too, because I have, they gave me some prescriptions for hormone balancing. And then they also gave me thyroid medication. And I just am like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I have the medication, but I'm just like, I don't know if I want to commit to this journey. And if I don't know if it's so bad, and I don't know if that's a weird way to think about it, but I'm so hesitant to take medication and mm-hmm. medicine. I'm always someone that wants to do something um, just my own way. I don't have any beef against medication. I've seen it be profoundly transformational for many people in my life, but there's something about it where I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. So I'm kind of just in this period of like wondering if I want to commit to doing that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but the way that they test is like, so they test against optimum levels. So with your hormones or with your thyroid, there you know, obviously are levels where they're very obviously off. They're very low, as an example, with your testosterone or progesterone or estrogen, or there's balances that could also be off. But they test against like actual optimum levels, which are levels related to like you in your early 20s. So when you're in your 30s, your hormones are obviously, you're producing less of most hormones in your 30s. So they would essentially be giving you more hormones. So you'd be feeling like you were in your early 20s. So that's good. Yes. If you wanted to feel optimum, like, so there's balancing to like a point where you're normal and then there's going beyond that to having like optimal hormone balance. And what, and that would affect everything from energy, libido, um, muscle tone, periods, PMS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's fascinating. And the thyroid thing was interesting too, because, you know, that didn't, that didn't surprise me. I kind of thought that. I was like, oh yeah, there's probably something with my thyroid. I've thought that over the years. But I was just like, I've heard that with thyroid medication, you have to take it for the rest of your life. So I'm just a mm, little bit yeah, that's a, yeah. of a pause. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I was talking to my friend Madeline the other day. She's like a holistic nutritionist. And we were just talking about my period because I've been experiencing like just that 24 hour, first 24 hours of my period is terrible. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't think this needs to be this way. Just like what I've heard from Elisa and other experts, I'm like, "Mm, something feels a little off. And it's silly because I just didn't realize this, but I'm going to experiment with this this month. But I fast like four days a week and the fast like up until like 11 a.m. And then just with our schedule sometimes, like I will be fasting during that week of my period. So like I'm, we're, we're going pretty early on. And if you're not on video, Lindsay's typing. I'm typing to show how fast we move. Join us on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, Subscribe honestly, right now. If you're on YouTube, you, you can see that. miss this. We're <laughs> typing to exemplify uh, how quickly we move in our business. <laughs> <laughs> but I just get in that rhythm of fasting. It feels good. Like my brain's good. Like I just feel good. But the week of my period, uh, like it's mm-hmm. just my body needs much more nourishment, rest, because fasting is kind of stressful on the body to a certain extent. So yeah, we were just having that conversation and then reminding me that the period, if we're talking about the seasons, is the winter. 
Mm, that we, the winter of the body. So we got to hibernate. We got to slow yes. down. We got to we got to get Go our blankets. Inside. Um, and eat chocolate, drink wine. <laughs> winter time. <laughs> but it was a, a good reminder because sometimes I'm yeah. like, whatever, fuck it. Like, well, my, a lot of times you like do things that work. You're like, oh, fasting works for my body, and then it's like, oh, not 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 now. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. it works for this period, and then you're like, actually, you got to kind of not do that anymore. Mm-hmm, totally. At least that was interesting. Yeah, and, and being able to be flexible with that is um, interesting. Mm-hmm. We actually just did an episode with Dave Asprey of Bulletproof yeah. All on Fasting. So if you guys are interested to hear about intermittent fasting and fasting, um, you can definitely listen to that one. Yeah, I'm excited about today's This guest. was such a good one, you guys. This New one was friend. a true delight, true <laughs> delight. And just such a reminder for me, you know, before we came into this interview, I was, I don't know what kind of mood I was in. I was just kind of in a, I was just kind of in a little sourpuss mood. I was just like, oh man, not that I was not extremely excited to talk to Debbie, but I just was kind of like, mm, kind we of were having a day. We were having, having a, a day. Yeah, we were definitely having, having a lifetime. That. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and just seeing her and being able to do this interview and feel so incredibly like uplifted by her and inspired by her and see how radiant her energy was. It was just amazing. And I felt so good for the rest of the day and Mm -hmm. just really excited to share this conversation with you guys because I feel like it was incredibly inspiring and uplifting for me. And I know it will be for you as well. Yeah, she is such a light. Um, She's the chief impact officer at Chopra Global. She's also a bestselling author and wellness educator. She has the podcast Dropping Gems, which if you haven't listened, is just so good. And yeah, this conversation, you know, we talked a lot about pivoting. She's pivoted a lot in her life. And I know we hear the term like, oh, I'm going to pivot in my career. I'm going to pivot in my life. But I really love how she brought it down to earth and also into like the inner work that happens as you pivot and how we take care of ourselves through a pivot, like a physical pivot in a career or even in her case, you know, in relationships, things like that. But yeah, we talk about just leaving that dream job and pursuing, you know, something that she really always wanted to do that has um, been connected to her personal growth and spirituality. And we also talk about just being super mindful about consumption, which was so interesting. We talk about it a lot and just to have it reflected in her like routine on the daily. Mm -hmm. She's like very, very strict with herself and it just allows her more space to actually hear her own thoughts. Yeah. That's like my obsession. Yeah. Literally being mindful of media consumption is my obsession. I was just showing Lindsay Miley Cyrus's (laughs) Twitter banner. It's like covered in skull, crossbones, cobwebs, flying demonic angels. I'm just like, what's going on here? Yeah. So just what are we looking at? Why are we looking at it? What are we listening to it? Mm -hmm. Why are we listening to it? How is this making us feel? something that we talk about a lot. And then I really felt like this was the part that I really needed to hear, which was really powerful, was talking about finding joy in the healing journey. And, you know, some of us can be so caught up, and I'm saying this as one of you, in doing the work, in doing the self-help, in doing the spiritual, you know, um, to-do list. And I think when we really sit back and can find more joy and more presence in our actual healing, it just becomes more impactful and life becomes so much better. Yeah, I completely agree. You can connect with Debbie uh, at DebbieBrown.com. She also does a lot of the meditations on the Chopra app. So you can go to Chopra.com slash app. 
Follow her on Instagram, Debbie Brown. Listen to her podcast, Dropping Gems, and her book is Crystal Bliss. This was a blast. Thank you, Debbie. Yeah, Love thank you, so you Debbie. Much. Love you. And we also so just did a live with her. So you guys can watch an Instagram live with her on our Instagram, Almost 30 Podcast. It was incredible. And we look forward to doing more with her in the future. Yeah, definitely. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, up and coming from Almost 30, you can look forward to a new six-week program coming up. It's called The Sacredness of Being Single. So if you remember my episode from a few years ago, this has been one that I've just gotten hundreds of messages about and um, just continue to have that conversation with you all on, you know, in my DMs and even in person when we were going on tour. So just wanted to create a really safe and sacred place that we could have this conversation and then also get really good and clear about how purposeful and meaningful this season is in your life. So more information coming out soon. We will be holding a free women's circle on the 25th of February. And then the program starts on March 8th. So hopefully I'll see you there. I'm excited. It's going to be such a good one. Me too. Me too. All right, y'all. Thank you so much. Subscribe. uh, So you have new episodes in your inbox every single week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we'll see you on the other side. From what I've gathered, it seems like you've done so much growth over quarantine and you've really owned it in such a beautiful way. Um, I want to talk a lot about that during our conversation, but something we were talking about before was how you were in radio before. So you're putting on the headphones because you're in radio (laughs) before. And what's interesting about that to me, there's a lot interesting about that, but I think a lot of people in our community of women are scared to pivot and Mm. are scared to really follow their calling and their dream calling because they're doing something that's working. And for you, radio was working. You were really successful, but there was a moment that you chose to pivot and do something that felt more aligned. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh God, my pleasure. Yeah. You know, this is the thing that it really comes down to for me. And there's so much conversation around purpose, right? Like so much conversation, probably for the first time ever, our parents, their parents before them, the concept mm-hmm. of purpose, like, what are you talking about? You get a job, mm-hmm. you earn a pension, you retire, you die. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, that was like the fullness of what so many people's visions were for themselves. And I think when we dive into that deeper desire, that yearning, that that connection to purpose, it's so important that we see it not through the lens of the societal structure that we're in. So, to be in your purpose, to be in alignment, um, to do something that feels nourishing every day, you can have any job title with that. And I think it's so important for women to know that because when we get that that inkling that like, I want more for me or I want my life to feel like more, we think that means let me quit everything and let me set out. Yeah. That's it. I'm, I'm walking in. I'm quitting my job. I'm selling my things. I'm going to, you know, and what purpose really is. And you can do that because that can turn out well, but What purpose really is, is just understanding what are my unique God-given gifts? What is my mission? Anything you do, you can infuse more of yourself in. You know, wherever you are right now, there's opportunity to take a moment to get more deeply connected with self and do an internal pivot, not necessarily an external pivot. Not everybody is called to blow up their life or not everybody is called to, you know, experience um, financial hardship or think that they have to change everything about their lifestyle or their structure. Sometimes it's really just, let me identify more of who I am. What is my personal truth? How can I show up as the most authentic version of myself under this umbrella? 
you know, and I think it's it's so interesting because when we're open to that, you know, speaking to having come from radio, I didn't necessarily know if I'd use my voice again. I just knew I wanted to serve in a different way. Working in radio felt amazing, not just because I got to show up and talk all day, you know, mm-hmm. But the deeper part of it was my connection to my listeners. You know, I was in terrestrial FM radio. So that's where people do call you on the request line and ask for a song or check in on your day. And that was my driving force. It was being able to show up and serve with the tools that I had at the time, you know? And so for me, that was allowing someone to hear my smile as I talked and potentially that gave them something, something that they needed or, you know, doing this podcast, like it's so... To share your voice inside of someone else's head is a sacred responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like it is more so than even doing on camera work, the intimacy of that, of living in someone's mind and sharing that that moment with them, you know? And so when I decided to leave radio, I knew I was still going to really crave that, but I didn't know. I didn't know if I'd ever use my voice again in any way, but I took that kind of leap of knowing there's a deepening that I'm called to do. I don't fully know what it is, but there's a deepening here that needs to happen. I meant to use my voice in a way that helps people heal, not just entertains them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I kind of made that choice of like, how can I show up more fully in myself so that I can more fully show up in the world? It was just this instant manifestation. Like things just started making sense. Um, it wasn't a fight against. It was just like a beautiful flow and allow a receive. Mm. I think sometimes, you know, in my experience and what I've just kind of heard from our listeners a lot is like they get tripped up around the money aspect. Mm -hmm. And so always feeling like they need to make money with that purpose Mm -hmm. or feeling like taking that leap and really going for it they're so consumed by how am I going to make a living in the meantime? And we talk a little bit about that, but I'm curious like what your relationship has yeah. been during these pivots with abundance and with money, because I think, you know, so much of it is mindset, mm-hmm. but I'd love to like kind of yeah. just, you know, look under the hood during that time. Oh, yes. And you know, I've done it both ways. So I, the first pivot I ever took in my life was when I was, I started in radio really young. I started at 18. So I had some really cool opportunities really young. Um, But then that meant I also got burned out a little quicker. Mm -hmm. And so I remember I was working at a radio station in LA, the station I started at. And as many people know, sometimes the companies you start at, they can only see you in a certain Mm -hmm. kind of way Mm -hmm. in the role that you entered the company with, right? There's not really room for them to behold the fullness of who you've become or the expertise you've amassed. And so then usually you have to go to grow. And so I remember at this time, I think I was like 24, 23, 24, and I had nothing. Like I had nothing, nothing. Like I was like, <laughs> I had, you know, a little, a little studio apartment and I was eating SpaghettiOs and, you know, the $5 footlongs trying to make it stretch. But I was showing up and at that age, you don't need much. And I remember I was just like, God's voice spoke to me so clearly. He said, you have to leave. If you don't leave right this second, you never will. Mm. And I got up and I walked in my boss's office and I said, I'm so sorry. And I can't even give you a two week. I'm leaving. I had nothing lined up, nothing lined up. And we had just got our checks. So I wouldn't even be in the next pay period to receive a paycheck. 
And then I walked out, I packed my box and I got out and I said, oh, what the hell? (laughs) What did I just do? You know, but I, I knew to heed the call. And I think it's really important to know when you're searching for the the best possible decision on your life, what is the true call and what is your ego's call? Am I doing this because of how I feel about myself, how I think someone else is feeling about me, what I, you know, what I want people to perceive, or am I doing this out of deep aboding? Because there is a truth inside of me that would never make sense to someone else, but I have to listen to it. And so I took a leap of faith. I didn't work for four months. I was very broke. I was selling things. I was like writing bios for different artists I knew to like stay afloat and like doing voiceover work. I was like voicing infomercials. And then I got an opportunity to move out of state and do radio. And I knew I needed that for that leg of my journey. Flashing forward, and it all worked out, you know, but, um, and then flashing forward several years later when I really knew that it was time to make a pivot into something that felt more fulfilling, um, that time I kind of really bided my time. So I understood that a pivot was coming. Having been through one, I kind of knew how that would play out, like what that feels like. You make the initial choice, you're really excited, then there's a big lull mm-hmm. and the universe is kind of figuring itself out and, and you are figuring out and refining your vision for yourself. So I knew to slow down this second go time. I knew hey, you're probably going to get really insecure at some point. You're probably going to get depressed and you're going to get excited Then you're going to get depressed. And so I just kind of settled into that map of knowing. Um, but I, it took me a year to pull the plug. And in that year, I slowly started getting myself prepared. So I was saving, I was taking on more opportunities so I could put that money to the side. I was maximizing my relationships and the job that I had. Mm. You know, I knew that I was probably going to go from that um, that radio station. And so... I was making sure to really reach out and get to know clients and get to know people on a more human level if there was ever opportunity to engage in something in the future, which I didn't know, you know? And so when I made, when I made the decision that second time, I had a little bit more of a blueprint, but I still didn't know what was going to happen. So I think, you know, for, for women listening that are in this space, it's just so important really to get still, mm-hmm. really to get quiet. Do not make rash decisions. Really sit. Is this the best self-honoring choice that I can make? Mm. Is this fully aligned with my life's mission, with what I receive as my purpose, with what I think will connect to a life that feels more full and fulfilling? Or am I being comparative? Mm-hmm. Am I you know, doing this for perception? Am I doing this for ego? Am I making this choice out of my wounding or out of my growth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of times it's like, you know, when people get bump up against like a learning opportunity or they bump up against something that's really uncomfortable, it's like people want to run. So a lot of times it's like people want to quit. They want to change all of the external circumstances, but really it's like the internal circumstances are creating what's externally happening. So if you quit your job and you don't have anything lined up, it's like nothing will really change unless you're changing on the inside. And yeah. I had that happen too, where I quit my job without a plan. And and I quit my job the second time with a plan and it was for this. And really it was just so much as both are fine, whatever people want to do, but quitting with the blueprint and understanding of like, hey, you actually do need to have money to live. Yeah. And you don't need to make it so hard for yourself. And you can really tough it out for a little bit longer to have more of a buffer and have more security is just major. Yeah. Um, But I think also something that you said too, that's super interesting is about 
the sacred responsibility of like being in someone's ears with their voice. Mm. And it's interesting. We were on um we were listening to something the other day, and I this person's voice. I, it, I don't know what about it, but I wanted it out of my ears. <laughs> and I was like, and it, nothing about the tone, nothing. It just was like I I don't feel comfortable right now with this being so close to my brain and my thoughts. Mm. Do you know? I was like, mm-hmm. damn, this is like not the vibe right now. And it is interesting if we think about being more mindful of all things we're consuming. And that includes podcasts, that includes media, that includes, you know, every single thing that we consume is really an opportunity for us to be further away from ourselves and to like lose in touch with ourselves. So how are you mindful about stuff like that? Like being in the social media space, creating, being Mm -hmm. online, like being on podcasts, like how are you mindful of what you're consuming and making sure that you're staying aligned with what your soul's calling and Mm. speaking to? Oh my gosh, that's such a gorgeous question. You know, I so a couple of things. At the top of the pandemic, I was very clear that I needed to show up for myself more. I, I walked into the pandemic with a lot of tools. You know, I've been an mm-hmm. avid meditator thus far and um, I had a daily spiritual practice, but I knew that that wasn't going to cut it for something that's never been, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, the the first decision that came through was you have to cut out all the noise from everyone else. So mm-hmm. I actually stopped listening to so many of the shows that mm-hmm. I used to listen to. I stopped watching back in May television completely. And so every night I said, you're going to gift yourself with this time and you're really going to get in tune with what is your authentic voice? Mm-hmm. What are your authentic thoughts and feelings? And it, it's been revolutionary. I mean, at most I might, you know, I might sneak in a movie here or there, right? Like a couple times a month, but I don't watch television at all. I don't listen to the radio. I don't listen to dialogue anyone else is really having about anything. I have a curated playlist that I deeply enjoy <laughs> and that kind of like fills my evenings, but I, I don't. And I think it's really important that to get to know yourself as deeply as possible and to get to know divine source and allow God or however you'd like to refer to the, to the higher being um, in your life you have to cut out the noise. You have to get really connected to your inner voice. How do you truly feel about this? Mm-hmm. And then let's explore it, you know? Um, because you can spend your entire life avoiding yourself just by watching TV. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like it, right? Because it's entertainment and everyone does it and it's so fun. But all of those hours could be spent with you being you or getting mm-hmm. refined on what are your likes and your dislikes. So for me, it's really important that, I, that I'm a clear channel. And for that reason, it's, I'm very selective of who I allow to spend time inside of my head or inside of my body, mm-hmm. all the way down to music. Mm-hmm. So, many of the, so much of the music I used to play on the radio, so many of you know, the artists I used to interview, I'm just like, that's not serving to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's serving to the collective. And so I just don't, I don't create space for it. I don't want to sing along to things about things I don't care about. You know, that's the same as me repeating an affirmation or a mantra. Mm-hmm. It has the same effect. So I'm not going to sing along to, you know, the songs about drugs or disregarding mm-hmm. people or woundedness. I'm just not. I I have to keep myself clear and really just lean into joy. Yeah, we talk about that. Yeah, that's like my new tip. Mm -hmm. I literally am in the car on the morning. Now there's this Christian station that plays and I'm listening to Christian music. And I'm like, yo, high school me who was bumping young Jeezy, literally so loud. I'm like, I was only like rapping hip hop and I I can't do it anymore. Yeah, It's playing sometimes and I hear it. And the words a lot of times now are like about being lonely. 
about Mm. being really sad. And it's kind of like the melodic, I'm so lonely, I'm lonely. And I just hear it. And I hear the ability to repeat it. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's sort of what's Mm. sipping into people's subconscious, which is hard because a lot of times people find music to be an identifier. They're like, oh, identify with those feelings. It makes me feel less alone. But it also hypnotically imprints in people. Yes. And so I've been trying to only hypnotically imprint like Sunday service or like- <laughs> Yeah, just in the office, yeah. we're like, I love Jesus. <laughs> we're so, I, I laugh at myself all day. I'm like, wow, this is like me now. I'm just like, I'm so different, but it's so, this is the, this is the thing that's so crazy. People will look at social media and be like, okay, guys, we've got to detox our social media feed. Unfollow everyone that doesn't serve us. And everyone's like, yeah, cool, done. But then we're not really thinking about like, musical vibrations actually have more potency than anything else to affect us. Like way more than stuff that we're seeing, way more than stuff that we're even hearing spoken. Like when stuff is made music and melodic, it can actually imprint on us so much deeper. And so I think it will be something that over time, we really will learn so much more about music effects and hopefully be able to have just like a better relationship with music. So it's not something that's like, programming us negatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, the this point that you just made too is so important. Like that, that's a big piece of the narrative that happens on social. Like unfollow people that make you feel bad about yourself. The deeper truth of that is investigate that trigger. Big facts. Because no one, no one should truly, like when you are standing in the work and you're really loving and accepting yourself, no one should make you yes. feel anything. Like we have full sovereignty of our being yeah. to feel whatever we want to feel in any moment and yeah. not take on any projections. And so I'd also offer like, definitely do a cleanse on your social. Like I love that now my algorithm is primarily energy pages that are talking about, mm-hmm. you know, quantum theory and all the things, <laughs> meditation, mindfulness, and Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Like that is my algorithm right now, you know, on yes. my Explorer page. And so I think, you know, get, follow more creative people, mm-hmm. you know, like let's really let go of some of this influencer culture of people that are selling constantly or trying or, you know, taking beautiful pictures, but promoting one certain aesthetic, like mm-hmm. follow creatives. Now I follow so many artists mm-hmm. of different mediums. I, I follow pottery pages because mm, same. I, I lo- <laughs> love right? that. Isn't it's it so it's, soothing it's and like so inspirational? Yes. Oh my Working with gosh. your hands. Yeah. Painting pottery. Yeah how you feel about your responsibility online. And I love that that is where your focus is, is on, you know, the energetics and meditation and just kind of this more high vibrational content. And then a year like 2020 happens and into 2021, and there is kind of this pressure or this perceived pressure from an audience to be something, to speak on fill in the blank. And, you know, we've been talking about it a lot, how, you know, you're mentioning self-sovereignty and it's like, our prayer is that you will always come back to yourself and like really check in with how do you feel? I've had moments where I'm like, if someone asks me how I feel about something, I automatically am thinking like, what did I see on Instagram today? How are people feeling? Like subconsciously, yeah. it's wild. 100%. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like your experience with that, especially over the last year. Yeah. You know, I I feel that this last year, I've probably got, not that I was ever intentionally inauthentic. I don't think, I think I've always been showing up 
as whatever version mm-hmm. of myself I've been in each moment. But I think this year I've just gotten really clear on what I want to do with social media. You know, so often I have so many friends um, that have like huge followings or are influencers and they're always like, oh, you should try this. You should try that. And I think what's, what's true for me is that I don't care. Like, it's really not a concern for me. If anybody feels so called to follow me, thank you. Like, come along for the journey. But it does not feel comfortable for me or serving. And thankfully, just when it comes to how I earn money, it's not necessary. I don't want to market myself in that kind of way. And I don't want to create content just for me that minimizes my understanding of the work just for engagement. Um, If that means less followers, I am okay with that. I love my life. I love myself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm okay with that, but I know how I want to show up in the world. And so I, I just try to really honor that. I'm more of a long form person. I want to have a long conversation. I don't want to truncate it into a 30 second conversation. You know, I want to have, even if it's not, you know, algorithmically uh, the best intention, I like long captions. I want to fully mm-hmm. express myself and what my thought is. And for those that it resonates with, they'll engage and maybe we can continue to connect. And for those that don't, there's so many beautiful resources um, that speak in the languaging that is best suited for them. But this pandemic has got me really clear on that. You know, mm-hmm. even even being yeah. able to disengage from doing like highly curated content, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, well, I'm not putting on a full face of makeup inside of my house to take some pictures right now. So <laughs> you're going to get all this face. You're going to get everything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually really been liking that. It's helped me It's helped me enjoy social media more. Mm-hmm. When I look at my feed, I see myself. Wow. I see myself exactly as I am if I were to connect with someone in person. And I really like that. Wow. Beautiful. Wow. I can't wait for that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> something that I've been wanting to talk to you about too, and I think it speaks to that is, and something that I think we're going through right now, which is part of the healing journey and how to find joy in it. Because, you know, for me, it's been, it kind of feels like an oxymoron at times to feel joyful when I'm going through a shedding or an up level or a transformation. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of a joyful transformation I've had in my life and like what that's felt like. And I can't find like a touchstone because most of my biggest transformations have been through hard times. Yeah. So how do you find joy in your healing? Mm. This has been um, one of the greatest pleasures of my life Mm. of extending that to myself. You know, a big shift came for me really about two years ago when I started re-examining the way that I experienced myself. And I think I'm somebody who at every at every different developmental stage of my life, I've always been regarded as really strong or the fixer, even as a child, like somebody mm-hmm. that had maybe sometimes a word to offer or something, a perspective. And with that is a lot of pressure and it can really turn you into someone who becomes consumed with the quote unquote fixing of other people. And when you do that, it seems really righteous, Mm -hmm. right? You seem like, yeah, I'm a good person. Look what I do Mm -hmm. for people. Look how I'm showing up. But it's really just another tool of avoidance. It's another way to not see yourself, another way to not work on yourself. And something that I had this breakthrough when I was driving, I was actually driving in Santa Monica two years ago. And I was like, oh my God, you have been equating your self-worth with how much pain you can tolerate. Mm with how resilient you are. It's 
it's been called strength, right? Which makes it feel like there's some reverence to it. But what is it really? It's the societal conditioning that I'm not allowed to feel, that I have to plow through, that I have to show up for other people first and martyr myself, that I'm not able to heal. And I will probably break down at some point. So when I had that initial understanding, I was floored Mm -hmm. (laughs) for myself. And then I started um, really investigating well, what is the path to healing? And what are my barriers that I have up against healing? If my intention is to stand in the fullness of remembering my wholeness, how do I get there with urgency and with ease? And so then the wheels started really turning. Okay, what what are the things you want to invite into your life? Effortless ease in all things and in all ways, abundance in all forms, grace, supernatural grace, to cover me through any challenge I face. And then also like a relentless joy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what joy meant at that time. You know, I thought of joy closer to happiness, but happiness usually requires a catalyst of some kind. Joy is like this deep aboding within your body, this knowingness of safety and trust, this Mm -hmm. ability to feel gratitude in every moment for everything. And so I started saying, how can I, cultivate more of that? How do I get to know that piece? And so I started slowly and I kind of started this thing on my on my Instagram around tiny joy, like mm-hmm. finding tiny joy. We have been so brainwashed really because of social media and the comparative nature of it to think that joy wins. Everything has to be big. I have to do a specialized post about how I'm winning mm-hmm. or I have to, you know, it's joy if I'm standing in front of Disneyland. But Joy is also, wow, I was sitting in the car at the stoplight and the way the sun just hit my face through the window felt incredible. Mm -hmm. Can I savor that? Mm -hmm. Can I close my eyes in that moment? And that's now how I experience joy. It's really rooted in, can I savor this moment? Can I close my eyes and take a breath? Can I find beauty in something no matter what? And this year was such a beautiful testing ground for that because We didn't have much to do. We didn't have many distractions. It was hard to experience joy in the way that we previously had. So it really started with me going in my backyard and looking at a flower or smelling a leaf, you know, like really getting down to like the molecular, Mm -hmm. you know, minuscule ways in which I could taste and see and savor Mm -hmm. all of the things that really were beautiful about me and about my life. And so you know, the understanding that I'm at now, the way that I operate is healing growth. It does not have to come through pain, mm-hmm. you know? And and so many of us, you know, not just are we walking through the things we walk through in our regular lives as adults, but you're doing all of this inner child work at the same mm-hmm. time, all of this reparenting, you know, investigating self means coming da- down to the the studs, to the floorboards of when you first started disconnecting from yourself. You know, and so it's like when I look through that lens, I'm like, oh, I need to treat myself like I treat any child, right? With that same tenderness, with that same grace, with that same like enthusiasm for healing. If my son, who's two and a half, something happens, I comfort him first. And then I say with enthusiasm, okay, but let's redirect. What else can we do? Or how do you feel now? Like there, there's this way that we extend ourselves to others with compassion that we just don't do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I started saying, I'm going to talk to myself like I speak to my son. Then that slowly started opening me up. And I believe that, you know, healing 
can come in the twinkle of an eye. Mm -hmm. Healing can be a dissolving instead of a fighting against, Mm -hmm. you know? And so often when we want to grow, we think to ourselves, oh, I need to fix myself. This is something I have to fix. This is, oh, I just have so many things I'm working on and I just need to change this about me. And it's really just accepting yourself in the moment and say, no, I need to remember that I'm whole. I need to remember that I have the tools. And connecting with self, really being in that space of silence, of stillness, mm. you know, that's the way to always return home. Mm. Yeah, Fire. That, that badge of honor of like, <sighs> yeah, I don't know what that is. Or I've experienced it as like that gap between. So where I am now and where I want to be. So if I'm feeling low and I want to be happy, I feel like that space is so wide and I need mm. to like traverse and, mm-hmm. you know, do all these things, highs, lows, do quote unquote the work and yeah. put in a lot of time and energy. And to your point, it's like, it could be a moment. Mm. You know, we were talking to our coach the other day, Aaron Rose, just about kind of that veil where it's like right there. Mm-hmm. And it can be with the choice. Um, yeah. And it can just be... You can also just exist. Yes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be sad or happy yes. all the time. Like mm-hmm. we can just exist and yes. we can feel whatever it comes up as it comes up. The secret is to not judge it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's where we secret. really limit ourselves because mm-hmm. we're all going to have bad days. How can you not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Earth sometimes is trash. Like, mm-hmm. let's just be that's... honest. Like this is like wild, mm-hmm. right? You know, and the experience you know, and I love like we we always speak to, especially like within this community, it's like, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we signed up to be human. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to be human, which means the good, the bad, the messy, mm-hmm. everything, the experience, you know? And so when we just are able to experience feelings without making it mean something about us, I'm sad today. That doesn't mean I have to beat myself up for being sad. That doesn't mean I have to say, God, you're always sad. Get out of it. Why are you acting less? Why are you mm-hmm. feeling like? It's just kind of like, mm, I'm sad today. Okay. What does that feel like? What is that about? Being really curious mm-hmm. with your pain, flirting with your pain, seducing your pain, you know, get to know it, court it. Why do I feel this way? Mm-hmm. Can I just take a moment to hold my own heart? Can I just like feel my arm and give myself some of that support that I've been projecting on and craving from others? Can I meet my own needs? Mm-hmm. You know, and when we get really clear that we can, that's when that surrender really starts happening. And they're like, yeah, today's not a good day. Today's a great day. Mm-hmm. I feel really full today. I was a little depressed this morning, mm-hmm. you know, but you're just observing it. You're just observing it without judgment. Yeah. And without identifying with it so mm-hmm. strongly. Yeah. The inner child work, I'm curious like what that has looked like for you or how mm. you found that as well. And then I know on your show, you've talked about um, ancestral healing and mm. we've talked about it on the show as well. So would love to know what that looks like for yeah. you and your work. Oh, it's, it's, it's honestly um, the most challenging work you'll ever do because mm. it triggers everything you've ever learned or thought to be true, whether you Mm. learned it from your family system or from society or from the world. So it really invites in a constant inquisition of self, which to me is the most important and powerful tool of the journey you can have. Nothing else matters. Like no other spiritual practice matters if you're not willing 
to inquire about you, to really be curious about how you arrived at your current self without judgment. And so some of that, that beautiful inner child work, the way it started for me, um, I started noticing that I was feeling really good about who I was as a woman in this moment in my life, in my 30s. But then if I were to think about younger me or look at pictures of younger me, I would kind of be like, ew. Like I would feel very compartmentalized and disconnected. And it's like, I wouldn't be me without her. Mm -hmm. Why am I robbing that little me that lives inside of being able to stand in this moment with me? Mm -hmm. What is the shame I'm carrying? What are the limiting beliefs that I'm carrying? You know, why, why am I, I perceived myself to be treated a certain way by the adults in my life. So why am I also now treating myself that way? Mm-hmm. You know, and just being open to it. It's not something that I was going to fix in a weekend. It's not something I could do in one vision board session, but it was an introduction to the thought and being open to investigating. And a great place to start is, you know, find a photo of an age group that really triggers you. You know, a moment in time, a certain age, whether it was when you were a toddler, perhaps something happened or perhaps a belief system started. Maybe it was when you were an adolescent, but a time where you feel the most charge and the most in judgment with yourself, then get a picture from that moment, put it in a beautiful frame, put it somewhere you'll see it and force yourself to interact with her and speak to her as a child. Speak to her how you would speak to any other person on the street at that age. And so I put that picture up. I had a few. There was one from when I was a toddler that was up. And then there was a photo that I consider to be like my deeply awkward phase where I look at that and I'm like, oh, girl. (laughs) And I put that up, you know, because I also realized that my belief of myself at that time was that I was really judged, that I was unaccepted, Mm -hmm. that I was disheveled all the time. No one cared about like, you know, how I, how I looked or like, I didn't, I didn't feel connected to my body. Um, And so I put that photo in a frame and for the first two weeks, I was triggered constantly. I really resented it. I'd walk by that picture. I'd roll my eyes. I'd walk by that picture. I'd be like, I love you, little Debbie, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'd walk away. And then I just started slowly softening. And I would walk by and then it would be like, you know, I love you. You're beautiful. Then it would be like, hello, beautiful girl. You are so strong. You are so brave. Thank you. Thank you for showing up as powerfully as you did and allowing me this moment, you know? And I practiced over the course of a year really doing that with many different pictures at many different stages. Then I added in journaling. Then I added in moments where it was like, okay, this is the age that this limiting belief started Mm -hmm. because of this experience. Do I still have to believe it's true? Mm. Do I still have to function out of something I took on when I was a child and my brain was not fully developed, when I was at a space where I didn't have emotional language or really understand emotional literacy or the lack thereof from the people around me. So does that still have to be my foundation? Now that I know all of the outside forces that affect that experience or that led me to judge myself that way, does that still have to be my foundation? for how I feel about me as a woman or do I have opportunity to dissolve it, to let it go, to release it? So that's kind of, you know, that really that careful 
molecular inquisition of self that really looking at the cells and the fiber of the processes. And I think the same can be extended, you know, when we think about the concept of intergenerational trauma. Um, I think for the black and brown community, we're finally understanding this moment, the depths of the ancestral trauma that you have loaded the experience of complex post-traumatic stress disorder for, you know, daily, um, sometimes really minimized or subtle oppression. But all of us have intergenerational trauma. trauma. Anyone that's ever been raised by another human is going to have it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the first generation. We're the first of our kind to be afforded the luxury of like mass collective healing. Mm-hmm. The conversations we have out loud now, like we weren't, no one else was allowed to have these. No one could follow, you know, therapist pages on Instagram. I look at some of these pages and I'm like, that breakthrough cost me $3,000. Like, what? I was in therapy for seven years and now you're just on my feed and Mm -hmm. I get that breakthrough, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, we have to take advantage of this, this moment, this ability to heal, this ability to know that everyone else is healing too. Mm. You know, there's so much grace available to us right now. Yeah. For healing modalities, what have been some that have been powerful for you? Have you done... Like what sort of, yeah, like what sort of practices you love? Oh, I love them all. I do all the things. (laughs) Uh, Reiki is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Energy work of any kind is really powerful. Um, I strongly suggest, especially for those that are in therapy journeys, to really explore the idea of somatic therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, Cognitive talk therapy is phenomenal, but then sometimes you reach a limit, right? You've really intellectualized Mm -hmm. like, okay, now I understand And I have all the language for why I do what I do or what has happened to me. But to take it to that next step to really dissolve the trauma and embody the higher version of you, it's so important to physically work that energy out to me in the way that I have developed myself and the way that I've experienced it in others. Um, So for me, I, I love either... I do Reiki. So I either do Reiki in myself or I have a Reiki session with someone like once a week at minimum once a month. Um, But if you're in some deep healing and some deep processing, I would really gift myself with energy work Mm -hmm. in addition to anything else that you're doing. Um, Sexology work Mm -hmm. is incredibly powerful. I, earlier this year, I had a wonderful journey into the world of womb healing and what it really is to be able to clear out trauma that exists within your sacral chakra and your Mm. womb, you know, that's your creativity center. That's the space where not just life is birthed, but all of your expansive creativity is birthed. So doing, you know, doing some of that work, investigating, you know, how, how do you feel about sex? How does your body feel? How do you feel about your own pleasure? Is that important to you? If it's not, why isn't it? You know, and, and really realizing and identifying all the ways in which, our families, society, patriarchy, history has disconnected us from our innate ability to heal. Mm. We are like women are a force. Mm-hmm. We already know that. Like we know we came to this earth really equipped with more tools than other people. You know, <laughs> like we know we came to this earth um, with this innate wisdom, with this nurturance, with this tenderness, but then we don't give it to ourselves. You know, and it's that catch-22. It's like society demands it from you, but then tells you, you don't have a right to give it to you. Mm -hmm. And so then we turn into these little martyrs running around everywhere, not feeling seen, not even being open enough to receive 
joy and love or support when people want to share it. Mm-hmm. Like how often do people ask us, oh, do you need help? No, 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 I'm good. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I got, no, it'll take too long to explain. So I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. a trauma response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is not some supernatural strength or resilience. That is your trauma showing up because you don't know how to surrender mm-hmm. and you don't know how to allow yourself to receive support and help and love. Mm-hmm. So investigating that, I think, Definitely energy work of any kind. For those that have their interest peaked in some of the other stuff, past life work, Mm -hmm. amazing. Game changer for me. I started doing um, some past life regressions probably 10 years ago. And it was such a big part of me being able to look at myself objectively without judgment. Mm. You know, um, one of the sessions I did, it was like, well, in this life, this happened to you. And so you did this and you died. Then in this life, this happened to you and you did this and then you died. And then you died like this. And I was like, oh, so the common theme is that I would face this particular type of challenge. Mm. And in every other lifetime, I was not able to meet it. So is this the lifetime that I really get to rewrite that? And that's kind of how I started looking at it. Um, And since I've had like so many different sessions in that, but past life work, I would recommend, what's the other thing that I'm really loving doing right now? Um, I think really just, you know, seeking out different energy modalities and seeing what resonates, Mm -hmm. whatever feels good, try it. Why not? Why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like Reiki is my favorite too. (sighs) Oh, I was like, I need to get an appointment, right? When you were saying that. Same. <laughs> I was like, all right, to do, schedule Tis an appointment. The, time. the sexology work is, is yeah, really interesting. Rad. I'm curious, like for you personally, like what you what you uncovered. Oh my gosh, so much. Um oh, it was it was such a gorgeous experience that I didn't know what to expect. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with the work of um Betty Dotson. Mm-mm. Oh my God. Oh my God. She recently um, passed away in her 90s, but she really revolutionized um, self-pleasure for women. Mm. And she did this back in like the 60s and the 70s. Wow. When, I mean, you really couldn't talk. It's uncomfortable for women to say vulva or vagina now, Mm -hmm. but imagine in the 60s and the 70s, like it was probably like, oh, my little girlfriend or my foo-foo or, you know, like you're just like (laughs) calling things everything else, you know? Mm -hmm. And you can't have open open yeah. dialogue about this. Yes. It's like, so how interesting that we created this space for ourselves, for some women where something that is physically a part of your body, you think is only there to be used for in service to someone else. And it's not actually a part mm. of what your self-care routine should be. It's a piece of you, just like mm. you lotion your skin and you, mm. everything else, like you need to pay attention to that. And um, so Betty Dotson this amazing, amazing woman that that revolutionized self-pleasure for women and taught courses in it. And she still, she has a partner, Carlin Ross, that um, is continuing with the business and, and changing women's lives. So they, um, they do this really beautiful work. And I ended up working with this wonderful woman named Simone from Pleasure Plus. And what she does is this experience called, and I have a podcast episode Mm -hmm. out about this actually, but like pleasure mapping, like really teaching women, like with a mirror, like Mm. where all the parts of your body are, what they actually do. And some of that, I'm like, I took all, I took biology and sex Mm -hmm. ed and how did I not know this? Why didn't I know what that was? Why didn't I, you know, I'm in my Mm thirties. And so just like, equipping yourself with even more knowledge and understanding of your own body is self-care and is so powerful. 
And so that was really freeing to me. And I, I started noticing, you know, we, everything is energy. So when you're with partners, when you're with any of your sexual experiences, there's an energetic mm-hmm. residue that's left within you. I believe really in the physical energy of it, but at the very least, you've had a seed mentally or emotionally mm-hmm. planted by each encounter, you know, mm-hmm. and it's as we investigate ourselves um, and our wounding is also really important to investigate our conversations around sex, our conversations mm-hmm. around pleasure, investigate any um, experiences you've had with sex, like really go through your partners. Is there anything that I'm still holding? You know, is there anything that I can dissolve? Is there a way I wish I had advocated more for myself in that moment? Can I accept it and release it? You know, mm-hmm. um, and when you um, know yourself. John Wineland say seven years? Oh yeah, the there's residue. The energetic. We did an interview early what? on in our podcast yeah, an and I was like, imp- so I was, yeah. still, I was still single and like <laughs> deep in it. And he's like, he's like, yeah, don't let him in before like you're ready or until, until they know, see, until they see yes. you, until they, mm. or they feel you. Yes. So it's like a knowing, I think within women, mm-hmm. like when you are starting to date someone, that moment when the other person really sees you mm. and he's like, then you let them in, literally in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been like having sex on the first date, mm-hmm. second date. Second date. Okay. As you do. As you do. Um, yeah. And my whole thing was like, <laughs> I kind of want to know what's up. Yes. Like, I want to know if there's that chemistry, et cetera. But he Not, said that like, there's a seven-year imprint wow. yes. on like someone if they're like inside you. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Who knows? <laughs> well, because especially, but. you know, like imagine in every interaction that you have, even if there's one thing that you didn't really like how Mm -hmm. that went or felt even if it was like dang I wish I had mentioned that I like this you know or I didn't really want to do it like that but Mm -hmm. well then you've now created a judgment about yourself in your mind that's like this new wounding Mm -hmm. and we can kind of dissolve it in real time by by Mm -hmm. being curious in the moment about what our wants and needs and cravings are and yeah but it's so it's so interesting Mm -hmm. all of that it's literally so powerful. <laughs> Last question for me. I want to talk a little bit about, because you're so powerful and in your power, what are some limiting beliefs that you're working on right now? Like in real time, like what are some things that you really are still in process with? Hmm. Hmm. She's like, no. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not kidding. like that. I mean, I'm literally there, just there's kidding. always work I to know. do. Always. I think right now, I, I am not in a space where I have limiting beliefs about myself. Um, yeah. And that feels honestly really good. Wow. Like I do, I think I feel very clearly that I have a right to take up space. I have a right to be heard. I have a right to try and attempt. And I think it was really big for me when I took away the lens of like win versus loss. Wow. I really try to exist in a lane of neutrality and also a lane of best possible outcomes. What is mm-hmm. the best possible outcome for my life? That's what I'm available for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, this year has been really beautiful in deepening the mastery of that, of being able to stand in my power, of being able to say no freely without mm-hmm. without even second guessing it for a second. Just no, I'm not available for that, you know, and not yeah. even taking on the other person's energy or what their projection is for me and my boundaries. But that to me was the biggest piece is really um, understanding my boundaries mm. and being clear about them and, and not being ashamed or afraid to state them freely. I would say something that I'm working on, not necessarily a limiting belief, but 
just continuing to honor my body. Mm. You know, I think this year being in the pandemic, I fell more in love with my body than I've ever been. I treated it so much better. Mm. And I think that's probably age, right? We get to our 30s and it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to hate myself. Yeah. What? Like, I don't want to compare how I look to how other people look. None of us choose that when we come here. Mm-hmm. This idea that like beauty equates goodness, this idea that somehow we're less than because more people find this or that beautiful or attractive, like as if it's some kind of thing that should be um, praised or jealous of. We don't choose it. (laughs) We come to this earth having no idea what our hair color will be, what our bone structure will be, what our our genetically predisposed, Mm -hmm. you know, body type will be. We don't Mm -hmm. choose it, yet we're allowing ourselves to feel less than other people because of something none of us earned, you know? And and really sitting in that and just being like, I'm naked all the time. Mm. It's my favorite thing now. Before, if I was like naked in front of the mirror, I would avoid, I would turn my eyes, you know, I'd be like, oof, all right, you know, um, or I'd find something to focus on. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, look at you, little roll. You're so cute. <laughs> look at that little dimple. You're so cute, you know? And yeah. I'm just kind of like, but this is me. Yeah. This is me. This is my body. Why waste time not in acceptance of myself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. And it's like when you get, when you have more awareness or connection to like your soul and your spirit, and I know mm-hmm. that sounds a little cheesy, but truly yeah. you start to not see mm-hmm. just the sweet meat suit that you're in. You know, <laughs> like you just, you really like, you start to see, you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it, it's and a different. Like, oh, this is, this is my soul's house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you chose this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about how the way I look serves my mission. Mm-hmm. Whatever that perception of however mm-hmm. people think I look, I was like, I was chosen to look like this because it serves my mission in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what that. I mean? Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Whatever that is, I just was like, oh, wow, this is in best service for me. Mm-hmm. You know? God, that's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, that reminds me. So within a previous question you asked um, about healing modalities, mm-hmm. something I strongly recommend is dive into your astrology to your mm-hmm. birth chart. Like, Aren't you double Gemini? Aren't you double Gemini? I'm a double Gemini. Which I was like, wow, you're the first Gemini that I trust. (laughs) Oh, we're amazing. You guys are amazing. I need to know more amazing Geminis. Mm -hmm. I had, um, there's this phenomenal astrologer, phenomenal, one of the best I've ever experienced named Daryl Gaines. And he's out here in LA. Mm. And he does, you know, whenever you seek modalities, it's really important to know that the person can only give you a certain understanding of yourself or your energy based on how healed they are, right? So over the years, like the last 15 years, I've seen so many intuitives, so many birth chart readings, so many things. And I've just always noticed that based on um, how much individual work the person with the gift has done, that really dramatically influences the way they're able to speak into your life or what themes they highlight more than others. Um, so that's just a that's just an expert tip when you're looking for energy that's, work. Just really quick on that, that's like all I've been thinking about lately is like how important it is that the people that you're listening to are in relationship with doing the work or whatever yeah. that is, even if yeah. that's living in divine joy. It's like people are learning a lot from people that are not healed. And I'm not yes. one that is, we are always on the journey. We are not completely healed, whatever. But I've been noticing that too with healers and teachers and all these things. It's like, that is like, 
the time, energy, and attention that you need to have to be someone that is giving that sort of healing advice is just unparalleled. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when someone is not in like it. Like all, if yeah. I'm in a session immediately, I'm like, oh, well, that was... Yeah. It's just a waste mm-hmm. of my time. Yeah. You know, because you can mm-hmm. tell it just doesn't resonate. Yeah. You know, you're like, this isn't resonating. This feels a little off or like a projection. Yeah. It's crazy. And that is like, yes. <laughs> yes. It's times crazy. a million to that. Mm-hmm. Because someone, you know, just because you have a gift mm-hmm. that really is a God-given gift, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you've done the work, mm-hmm. right? Because you have your own spiritual curriculum that you're working mm-hmm. through. You have your own limiting beliefs that you're working through. And based on your life experience, that's how you are able to interpret and translate your gift and your understanding to others, you know? Yes. But it's so, I even think, you know, I've over the years I've seen, especially because this world wasn't at the forefront previously, mm-hmm. right? So when I first, uh, I remember the first person I had uh, an intuitive session with, this is probably 15 years ago, you know, they were, they were of a certain um, age demographic. They were of a certain background. Mm-hmm. And so everything mm-hmm. that they shared with me was really through the lens of having been raised in the 50s and the way that you experience relationship structure then and the way that, mm-hmm. you know, and so everything they shared with me, there was so much truth in it, but the advice was actually kind of toxic when I look For back. Sure. You know? <laughs> She's like, make sure to have dinner ready when he gets home. <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> Where's like, your boyfriend? Like, yeah, literally. Oh, no, no, no. We don't do that anymore. Wow. You know, so, but to your point, it's like 100%. keeping that at the forefront. Um, but so, so Daryl Gaines, the astrologer, he's so amazing. And he, like his translation was so powerful because he really speaks to what is the power of your chart? What Love can you that. lean into right now in this mm-hmm. moment? And what is the higher calling of your life? And he said something to me that you just said, which was, he said, listen, you know, this part of your house is in Venus or Venus is in this part of your house. So embrace your beauty. Mm. Embrace the way of beauty. I, you know, I, I used to have the mind frame that I had to pare myself down mm. because I wanted the work to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to get caught up in aesthetics. And then it's like, well, part of your whole experience here on earth, there's nothing that's a coincidence. Everything is by design. So that might be a tool that is necessary for your journey in the way that you share. Mm-hmm. So stop rejecting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked about that in the last couple months too, just mm-hmm. with our our within our um, friendships of just like mm-hmm. owning our beauty, mm-hmm. and then also just really like seeing that and calling that out in one another, and just mm-hmm. like reflecting that back to one another feels so healing because I think and the female friendship wound is like on our mind, but. I think there's so much to shining and really owning who you are, how you mm. look, all the things, your beauty that was not always received by friends, mother, sisters, what have you. So it's just a really beautiful practice that I'm I'm getting used to where like I can really own my beauty mm-hmm. with my friends mm-hmm. and they can own their beauty. And I'm like, yes, I love mm-hmm. when you do that. <laughs> it's oh, really healing. I love that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask... Last question about your son and and being a mother and just how I can imagine I'm not a mother, but I can imagine that's like a whole other level of the video game of life of like healing <laughs> and oh my God. just spiritual growth. So I would love yeah. just like a, a snippet of that. 
oh, this is my favorite topic ever. Mm. <laughs> God, oh, my son is so delicious. Like mm. he is just, just the greatest gift of my life, you know, mm. and the, one of the greatest teachers of my life. And it, it extended itself to me. Um, it extended such a depth to my personal healing. So my son, and for anybody that's seen him on Instagram, he looks exactly like me, like <laughs> identical in the way that it's just like, I don't even know where I end and he begins. Like we have the exact same smile, the exact same nose, face, hair, everything, right? And so it was so interesting because there was so much deep judgment I had about young me. So much deep judgment and rejection I had for the younger version of me. And then to day in and day out, beholding and loving this perfect being that came to the earth perfectly designed and so complete and see my child face in him, it extended such a softening to me and such a healing for my own trauma and limiting beliefs. And being able to treat him in all the ways that perhaps, you know, the words I wish I had heard, or or even knowing that I can raise him from such a healed place. So I can, knowing what life holds, right? Knowing knowing the mechanics of healing, knowing the mechanics of trauma, I really work to design for him an experience in the home that builds his foundation of wholeness. I cannot control what's going to happen in the world, right? Deeply uncertain. I cannot say what's in store for him. I would never try to keep him from experiencing disappointment or pain, even though I'm not ready for that. And I would not care for that, but... Mm -hmm. That is life. That is the human experience. So what I really focus on is how can I make sure, his name is Quest, how can I make sure Quest always knows how to return home with his own tools, right? Not just return to mommy, but how can I make sure that he knows he's equipped to show up for himself from day one in the moments that he needs? And so from since he was an infant, we have um, we have daily practices that we do, and so every day we do about ten minutes of meditation. Which you know, I have no expectation he's going to recite them. I just try to keep him into it. So before he goes down for bed, as I'm putting his jammies on and I'm changing, I just start talking, and that's become his soundtrack for his night. You know, we always started as quest. You know, um, mommy loves you, daddy loves you, God loves you, you love you. Quest loves and accepts himself. Mm. And I say it to him in the languaging that he can feel enthusiastic and connect to the same way you'd read a book to a kid, you know, with that inflection in your voice, with that excitement. And so I say, um, Quest loves and accepts himself. You are safe. You are protected. You are provided for. You have so much joy and enthusiasm for yourself in your life. And he gets so revved up and he doesn't know all the words, but he'll look back at me and he'll be like, Quest, love, accept yourself. You know, oh. <laughs> it's so cute. Um, or now his new thing is, you know, one of the things I say to him is you are pure potentiality. You are limitless. You are mm. worthy. You are more than enough. Mm. And he, you know, kids connect to different words. He goes, I'm worthy, worthy. And he just will start screaming, mm. worthy, I'm worthy. Um, and, you know, slowly over time, he'll understand what these words mean. He'll have deeper language to express his emotions with. Even down to things, you know, if he likes something, even a food, like he'll eat it and I'll be like, is that yummy? And he'll be like, yummy. And I'll be like, does that feel delicious? 
does that taste really good inside? What does it feel like? You know, I'm showing him how to start being inquisitive about sense and tastes and feelings and and coming to a space of noticing. So many of us were raised to bypass mm-hmm. or to overindulge or to to really um, focus on lack, but not to experience each individual moment as it is for what it is, you know? And so now he even narrates um, his emotions. Like he'll be like, if I do something that, you know, if we're doing something he doesn't like, he'll say, angry, Quest is angry, Quest crying. And I'm like, I see that you're crying. I see your tears, you know? And just just being with him in the moment um, and not rushing him through a feeling. And that's been something that, you know, the the pandemic has really afforded to me, being able to be home with my child and see these things in real time. Um, so yeah, I just strongly suggest, even if you're still on your healing journey, which we all will be forever, um, or if you're not sure how to introduce things to your child, just start speaking to them with the words that you've wanted to know about you. If you could go back and experience your childhood, what do you wish was said to you? You know, mm-hmm. how, how do you wish you were shown how to experience yourself? And I taught him how to meditate at two and a mm-hmm. half, um, which, you know, he does for maybe 10 seconds, but that's mm-hmm. perfect. Um, and children are usually, you say, try to get them to learn to meditate for the age that they are after you get really past five. But now, you know, and doing it really simply saying, okay, let's take a big deep breath. <sighs> let's close our eyes. And, you know, you make it exciting. And I say, um, now let's say, um, and then he gets really excited about that because when you make that noise, your face vibrates. Mm-hmm. So then he goes, time to meditate. Um, and then he mm-hmm. giggles because, oh, that feeling. And now I'm even more aware of my body. And, you know, it can be done in the smallest of moments. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be fully thought out. It's so beautiful. So Thanks beautiful. for sharing that. What are all these, what are all these healed children going to do? I know. <laughs> with the world. Do you know what I mean? Who will they be? Yo, who will they be? Because I think about you and just Ooh. other friends that I, I have that have children and our mothers. And I'm like, damn, what are all these healed children going to do <laughs> to the world? You know, like, all of this. Mm, hopefully. <laughs> They're going to yeah, expand that's the, all Exactly. They will, for sure. Because it's crazy. Like that is, that is, I don't, what generation has that touchstone yeah. of my parent paying attention to me, my parent looking at me in the eyes, my parent, mm. you know, understanding me, my parent taking time with me, my parent just like, also a parent having respect for the individual instead of what the individual does for them. Yes. Do you know, that's huge. Yes. Like the individuality of a child and that honoring is major, mm-hmm. you know, and ability to feel feelings and all that. I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, that will be exciting. Mm-hmm. I pray. <laughs> yes. Yes, spirit baby. And spirit come, come through. through. Uh, yes. This has been such a joy and pleasure. So fun. So grateful. Thank this you. has been amazing. Um, just totally turned my day around. I'd love for our community to know where to connect with you. We'll say it in the intro, but I just love um, for them to know what's going on with you and where to find you. Yeah, thank you. Um, you can hit me on Instagram, Devi Brown, D-V-I Brown. Um, and I also have a community that I do with women and we do regular meditations. We do affirmation sessions. Um, it's a really beautiful container called Karma Gang. And so you can sign up there and and hang with me on Zoom. Um, and we have like a mastery collective where we do different quarterly challenges about really kind of 
the fine line details of how to walk through different situations. And so um, if you go to karmabliss.com, you can check that out. And then please download the Chopra app. Um, I love this app so much. I do the the daily meditations on the Chopra app. So I'll greet you each day. Um, but there's incredible, just uh, profoundly beautiful meditations from our chief meditation officer, Roger Gabriel, and of course, our founder, whose life work um, and his teachings and practice, it's all built on Deepak Chopra. And so the Chopra app is such a phenomenal resource. I mean, just any kind of meditation you could imagine that you needed to really stand in yourself fully in this moment in time we have on there. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. This is so good to be here. Amazing. All right, y'all. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much, Debbie. And if you guys felt inspired by this episode, if you felt like you learned something or just really enjoyed it, definitely share with a friend. That's how we've grown. And that's how we send love to people these days, sending them inspiring podcasts. Truly. And thank you so much to our sponsors for this episode, FX Chocolate, Blue Blocks, Fit Track, and Four Sigmatic. You can find all discount codes in our show notes as well as on almost30.com in addition to so many other brands that we really, really love and are so proud to share with you. So thank you all for listening as always. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you soon. (laughs) 